Hi, um, hold on just one second for me because I've always got some kind of something going on with um, the, um, the Facebook stuff. Um, just give me one second. Okay, okay. I just don't even know. I really don't even know. Um, I swear this happens every time with Facebook. Um, gosh, love them. Uh, let me see what's going on. Okay. So it appears to be that it's working on this one, but I don't know. You know what? I don't even care. Um, we'll switch it up from there. All right. Um, what I was wanting to get into um, tonight is I've been doing a lot, and I mean a lot of research on um, excuse me, um, secular. Um, because it just bothers me. It's it's used so much um, around where I am, and it's almost an insult. So, I mean, it's like um, if you're not doing what, uh, let's say if you're not belonging to a certain group or anything you do outside of that group is secular, um, by definition, and most people don't understand this, is they're uh, preaching about secularism. And um, I, I, I'm dead serious that they really have no no clue what they're talking about. Um, because I personally, I can't think of a person, not one person I know that's not secular. I mean, you can go back through this word is so uh, convoluted through history. It's ever changing. And it's kind of like, um, you know, those people who uh, literally read the Bible and then they go, well, um, this is what this uh, this is what this verse means to me. So I mean that's kind of where we're at with it, and that's just uh, telling it as the truth for what it is. I mean, um, you just can't switch it around, and it's I know it's confusing, and I know it's supposed to be, but um, I'm still trying to fix this Facebook feed right now. So just give me just give me a second. I'm trying to do it as quick as I can. Um, Good low, it's almost your birthday. Well, happy birthday to me, right? Um, let me get over to, I'll tell you what. Um, while I'm doing this real quick, I most certainly can run a commercial for my friend and um, uh, great guy. I had a copy of it with me earlier and I've done put it down somewhere else. I read it all the time, but this is for... Um, uh, Minister Corey Thomas's uh, book, it's called Sound Advice, and it's really, it's something that to me is uh, really, it's just amazing. I can't say much without adding spoilers to it, but let's just say it's a uh, fresh take and um, uh, might change the way some of you look at music for, uh, you know, 
um, being uh, what we're getting into tonight is being what most people call uh, secular or and and um, I'll get back to it after this commercial. Author Evangelist Corey Thomas, a dedicated servant leader whose weapons are spiritual in nature and volatile in impact. Hot off the press, author Evangelist Corey Thomas's new book, Sound Advice, Music and the Battle for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Matthew 5, 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his flavor, well will shall it be salted. It's author Evangelist Corey Thomas's new book, Sound Advice, Music and the Battle for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Purchase your copy to help maintain that flavor in your spiritual walk. This book is epic. It's sold on every major online bookstore or go to CoreyThomasMinistries.com. I got my copy. Be sure to get yours. It's author Evangelist Corey Thomas's new book, Sound Advice, Music and the Battle for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Get your copy today. All right. Um, I think I finally got it. I don't know. Honestly, I don't care. Um, let's get into this if we can. And I'm going to change some lighting around. That always comes in as a good help as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, I'm wearing one of my favorite shirts tonight, which is always Run DMC. There's just, it's Run DMC. And I guess that counts for tonight because he is now uh, Reverend Run which is spectacular. All right. Admittedly, when I start talking about secular, and this was a little bit uh, uncomfortable with me to start off with, and that's why I was starting off kind of slow, just figuring out exactly uh, how I wanted to do it. Um, but I wrote out a bunch of stuff earlier, and I also um, got some notes. I do a lot of research when I do everything because um, – People in every walk of life, and especially if if they don't like your version of something, even if it's the truth, they're going to discount you um, all along the way. I, I get that constantly with my testimony or my story. And it's, um, you know, I got to a point recently, which was um, fantastic. I was talking to my friend, um, Erica Burke, and um. I was like, you know, when, when all these people question my testimony, I mean, what happened to me is I died. I literally died. I got the pleasure, blessing of talking to a nurse the other night that was one of the ones caring for me. And, um, you know, she was in disbelief that I'm sitting here and um, able to do the things I do and talk and walk and uh live in this uh life that i've been blessed with and um i mean she flat out said it was bleak she's surprised i'm still here and more than that she's blown away that i'm still here um and that's um that's what gets questioned a lot is you know is he making this shit up and uh, i don't make up anything um about what happened to me because most of all, when I first got in the hospital, I came to a realization that I had done this to myself. I did not pity party. And, you know, you would think that you're faced with your own uh, mortality and you're going to say, you know, why is this got to happen to me? Why is this got to happen to me? Um, I don't know what went on inside me, but I was able to sit there and say, 
uh, I did this to myself. And um, I mean, that is what it is. Sorry. This uh, tonight's brought to you by uh, Dream World <laughs> Limited Edition Coca Cola. I have no idea what it's supposed to be, so I'm not even gonna try. But getting back to it is, um, you know, I it's it reminds me, and I, I'm not in any way comparing myself to Christ, but it reminds me of you know everyone on Jesus' miracles. There were people, they were doubters, they were you know just saying he was just full of it i mean period that um you know it wasn't real they discounted everything and everything and everything and um when i was talking to eric i was like you know the more they question mine and um I'll, I'll be blind it really did used to uh take me off a bit and um what do i do or say about that um my response now is nothing they're not they're not hurting me they're sitting there and they're literally saying god didn't do this um this never happened uh don't believe in miracles i guess but these are the same people who are walking down the street saying praise jesus to rip off people and um i mean i, I should expect no less but that's the thing that was so joyful to me. And like this big breath of air was sitting there saying, I don't really have to care what these people say anymore. So when I'm getting into that, I'm saying we live in a world in a time right now where people, um, I mean, they just question uh, everything. There's so much hate and um, discord and uh, what's going on right now. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, left or right or whatever else. I mean, we are in a situation now that um, I think we all need to take a healthy break from uh, left and right because it's not making a difference. I mean, seriously, it, it doesn't matter what Donald J. Trump does. It doesn't matter. He can sit there and he can, as he said, even before he got into office, that he could sit down in Manhattan uh, somewhere and uh, shoot somebody and still be cheered for it. That's life. Um, and that that's, that's unfortunately, it's true. But so what I'd said here uh, originally was admittedly definitions suck. They never satisfy everyone. And worse than that, they often bore. But the hard part is they're unavoidable and they're going to be unavoidable. So here we go. What does secular even mean? The short answer is secular means non-religious. And uh, just start thinking from there real quick. It means non-religious. Yeah. Okay. So what then does religious mean? Well, religion, as all scholars of religion know all too well, is notoriously difficult to define. I know in my own situation is I used to say, um, you know, and this is back when I was still a, um, I, I was still a drunk and, uh, you know, I, I'm religious. I believe in God, but again, I didn't practice religion and I most certainly didn't even know how to pray. So um, you add that together and that's, you know, what is religious to anybody who's to say who's religious? I mean, I was reading today about prosperity theology, for example, um, uh, the Joel Osteen's, the Jim and Tammy Fed Bakers, the 
um, to a more extreme level, Jim Jones and so on like that. And I didn't realize this. This was new to me, but I'm one of those people who likes to feed my head. So I'm not just sitting here telling you all stuff that, you know, that I'm making up to get everybody to fall into my agenda because um, my agenda is strictly uh, God's agenda. When I, when he woke me up, when he uh, reconstructed me from uh, nothing, um, I mean, I'm just telling you, I was not supposed to be here right now. I'm not supposed to be here. And that's the absolute truth. My word to God, it's the truth. Now, when he brought me back at first, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I got to love everybody. I've got to do, you know, what this pastor's saying, what this pastor's saying, what they're saying on TV and everything else. And also to get my heart broken a bunch of times because it amazes me how many people are out there taking the Lord's name in vain to fit their own agenda uh, for their own selfish, selfish needs, wants. It's, um, it's wrong. But it's not gonna. It's not gonna change. Um, so long as what they count on is ignorance being uh, bliss, if you will. Ignorance is bliss. What they say and what they do is the word of God. So they're constantly when you go through prosperity theology or even stuff like these faith-based anything. Faith-based this. It's a faith-based honor. It's a faith-based. Uh, rehab it's a faith-based playground for goodness sakes um good family entertainment we we've seen throughout history um what good family entertainment is i mean it blows me away now seeing some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes at nickelodeon for goodness sakes um there's just a reality to it as long as um, there's free thinking uh, humans in the wheel in the world. There's um, what what agenda? So we've got to look at agenda. Um, my agenda is one is actions. Um, I, I do what I say I'm going to do. It's like, you know, um, yesterday I got on the um, whatever it is, my uh, final graduation for my um, uh, psychology uh degree with my minor in substance abuse or um i actually i call it concentration on substance abuse but anyway um i'm on the honor roll and that's not something to brag about this is coming from somebody who was supposed to be dead a year ago and is sitting there saying if you don't believe in hope i i believe in faith um because i know hope's a great thing it is but i have the faith when all this stuff is changing and going on in my own personal world it's faith that brought me back to life. And um, uh, that faith never, never lets me down. So, you know, I can go on forever about so many things, but I really want to strongly say that most people don't get and um, I don't have triggers. I don't have cravings. I don't drink. I sucked at drinking. I was a terrible drinker. And um you know, when you worship that bottle, because it truly is what it is, it's worshiping a false idol. Um, because you're thinking of that bottle before you're thinking about praying. You're thinking of that bottle before you're thinking about family. And you sure are thinking of that bottle before you think of God until something really bad happens. It's either dead jail or rock and roll, right? I didn't experience that where I came out and felt like I was uh, this beacon of the Lord when I got out of the hospital. And um, um, 
No, I've sat here and learned. I, I listened to what he told me to do. And I've gone back to school because I've been, uh, I don't even know how to say it, uh, uh, delegitimatized so many times. Uh, you know, he's not legitimate. He don't know what he's talking about. He's just a drunk. And that's great and all. And um, I already had two college degrees behind me in the first place. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to go to pay it forward. I am, matter of fact, taking a pay cut to do what I'm doing. And that's no bother at all to me. It's not. Uh, my uh, desire and the path God left me on or left me on. He didn't leave me on. He showed me <laughs> the right path after so many years of, you know, going this way, that way, this way, that way, that way, looking like I'm running from an alligator. Um, now on the right path, I, I do want to pay it forward. I've got the experience. Well, it's good to have the experience to kind of get it what it's like to be a, um, a, a substance use disorder person. And, um, that does help because it helps you to get back on that level. I, I really believe, and I believe this strongly, is people, uh, I, I'm not sure, uh, I can't judge this, but I know from my own experience that whenever I dealt with somebody in counseling or therapy or um, uh, psychiatric stuff, that um, those that had never been what they love to call an addict or alcoholic, um, Simply no, no, no form of education can teach you um, that lifestyle. You know, it's organic, if you will, but it's a it's like eating an organic mushroom that's poisonous. Um, so going from there, I wanted to uh, legitimize myself by pushing my education into a realm where I can truly I can truly help others as is, but where I can help others through what I've learned, experience, Christ, and education. You know, I've, I've learned stuff already that I didn't know that I probably thought I knew, but I didn't know. I mean, um, I took an emotional intelligence test, and um, I, I scored out the wazoo. I mean, it's not a graded test, but it's it's basically who you are as a person. It's an IQ test for um, uh, morals, ethics, emotions. And, um, you know, that was really one of the first times I realized, you know, holy crap, every time I was um, out there drinking and acting foolish, I, I was going against everything that at core I knew was the right thing to do. I wasn't doing that. So um, point taken there. So, um, uh, I'm reading from um, Dr. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm not going to slaughter. I'm reading from a doctor. And um, all right. However, in social sciences, when trying to describe religious life, we refer to the three B's, belief, behavior, and belonging. Religion generally involves one, two, or three aspects to varying degrees, and depending on the religious tradition or culture at hand. Um, by belief, we mean belief in supernatural beings such as God or God, spirits, angels, demons, 
Jin, etc., as well as non-empirically uh, verifiable realms, such as heaven, hell, etc. As for behavior, we mean things like ritual performance, prayer, holiday celebrations, fasts, feasts, confession, but mitzvahs, the myriad things people do in relation to the religious beliefs. And by belonging, we simply mean identification with or membership into a religious community, tradition, denomination, or congregation. So to be secular under these definitions would mean a person does not believe in the spiritual beings, entities, or realms. A person does not emerge in religious behaviors, and a person does not identify as religious and is not a member of a religious community. Um, to be secular, going on into uh, how many ways this can be interpreted here, is to maintain a naturalistic worldview in which belief in anything is always proportioned to the evidence available. It is about engaging in a variety of activities that are understood as this worldly and to identify with or be a member of non-religious groupings or associations. I'll stop there. So when I get called secular, it's because I curse. I'm Generation X. I, I really don't make excuses for it. When I get really uh, bothered by something or entangled in something, I will curse. And um, the thing that I can't get across to anybody is I never curse at anybody or put a curse on somebody. It's it's contextual. And I don't think people really truly understand what context means at this point. If somebody can tell me at some point, sometime, somewhere, somehow, um, who invented these bad words? Because I can tell you in uh, being a transplant from Scotland that their version of cursing is very much different than our version of cursing is. It's it's different everywhere. It's when um, Richard Nixon was talking to the Vietnamese a long time ago. And, you know, uh, Richard Nixon's like that all the time. Trump was doing it, too. That's basically the same thing as flipping somebody off in that culture. So. Uh, I'm not defending myself. If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you don't curse, you don't curse. I don't like certain words people call me. I think secular is a dirty word. And here's why. The same people that are calling me this are the same people that are running on their platforms, which is Democrat, Republican right now, mostly Republican. Mostly I am a Democrat, so I'm getting Trump forced on me by this religious right, this far right, extreme religious, what they say is Christians. And they're the same people who will tell you right now. And I just shit, I've heard, shoot, I've heard it in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, something or other secular. I mean, something. It can be some just kind of music that I can't draw secular out. If you paid me to do it, I, I couldn't write a research paper and figure out how Bon Jovi talking about always loving somebody secular. Um, I, 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 I just can't do it. And to me, I think when the definition gets twisted, you know, this 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 goes way back to, um, I mean, even in ancient Rome and Greece, especially, is where secular really uh, came from in the beginning. And um, uh, that was anything really not of the gods. But we in America, 
particularly American. We live a secular lifestyle as according to this definition that the hardcore, mostly the prosperity theology or the hellfire and brimstone churches are teaching is just, it's ridiculous. They get out and they get in there. Let me think of it for Nicholasville because everybody knows Nicholasville, Kentucky. I, I take a huge issue. It's like you walk into a different world of a culture that's very, very strange. Um, and um, what I mean by that is the same people that are preaching secular are getting out and, you know, they're not really expensive, but for some reason, all of them drive like 10 year old BMWs and, um, you know, the list goes on from there. Now they'll wear religious clothing or they'll get religious tattoos. And, um, a lot of them are putting the money first and their influence first and their power. I know that I never thought I would have a problem with non-denominational, um, churches until I, I truly got the reason for what a lot of them do that for. And that is to literally, uh, so they cannot be held accountable. And, um, you know, this type of stuff is what really bothers me is because they say they speak directly to God from God and that's it. And they leave Jesus out of this whole mix. So where, where, uh, where is this going? It's, a thing of power and it's agenda it is just straight up agenda um and and that's the truth so when some people that used to be in my um old group they're always screaming secular it doesn't matter what you're doing but they're screaming secular uh half of them are having premarital sex um you know that, it's, it's just this weird weird dynamic where they think if you read the bible and you're reading the Bible that you can't possibly be a secular person. I'm wearing a Run DMC shirt right now. To some people, that makes me secular. I'm wearing a New York Yankees hat. That makes me secular. If I turn this TV on and I'm not putting it on um, HLN, um, no, no, that's a headline news, whatever it is, uh, one of the religious channels that, that makes me, again, secular. If I put on my shoes, if they say Adidas, if they say Kohan, I'm being secular. If I wear my uh, prescription sunglasses, I'm secular. I'm drinking a Coca-Cola. That's secular. And this is what it's getting thrown around. So it's a bad word and everybody's got to be secular so that you're held accountable to people who like to use the word secular. And guess what they're using it for? They're using it. It becomes a control mechanism at that point. You know, and, and I'll tell you what, your actions mean a whole lot more than what you're wearing is a shirt. I mean, if there's a guy on the street who uh, can't afford uh, to buy a shirt and somebody gives him a shirt, it happens to say Budweiser on it. Does that make him a secular drunk? No. Um, it, it, it's just so easy and it's so abused is the biggest part to it. It's abused. Secular would have to be, when I get through all these definitions, it would have to be done by actions and not, not, by what somebody else doesn't like. I'm telling you, it's agenda building thing. So you get stuck into that one church that wants you to believe what they believe and whatever is going to benefit them the most, profit them the most. And it goes from there. All right. <sighs> this is funny. These are what, um, 
I mean, it's not funny, but it's true. These are what some of the people that throw around the word secular are saying. They're saying when you're secular, you tend to engage in a minimum amount of such religious activity, and you do so for reasons other than religious faith. You do it because you dig the food or because it makes your partner happy or to please your in-laws. You know, that's a lot of the reason people go to rehabs, too. So, um, all right. Everybody that goes to the faith-based rehabs must be secular. I, I'm not trying to overuse this word. I'm drilling it in because there's a reason. Okay. As for belonging, secular people see themselves primarily as members of the human race or of particular nations or of given racial ethnic groups or soccer teams or of political groups or of social movements or of occupational associations or motorcycle clubs or hiking clubs. In short, secular folks associate with a host of various social groups and organizations but none that are religious in nature. So every one of you that are on social media, that includes Facebook and everything else. If you carry a real estate license, um, uh, you belong to the National Association of Realtors. Um, uh, if you're in Lexington, Kentucky, in the surrounding areas, you belong to Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors. Hey, uh, right now, your favorite team, mine, the Yankees. I'm secular. And, um, uh, Here's the best part. Uh, if you belong to all right, racial ethnic groups, okay. So if you're a member of uh, uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter, you're secular. Um, if you're of any given, um, uh, it's just pitiful, man. I mean, you can't you can't join if you join a soccer team. You're considered in that club. Um, skateboarding uh, is going to make you secular. I mean, by the definition that a lot of people are using today, and this is why it's so important, by the definition they're using today, you can't do anything outside of that rinky-dinky little building where it's a con job going in the name of God, and that is truly using the Lord's name in vain. I've been telling somebody about using the Lord's name in vain recently, um, going over and over it again, and this um, blows people's minds. Because nobody nobody wants to get it, I guess. Everybody's stuck in this principle that if you say uh, GD, that um, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Anything not of God, using God's name for self-benefit, for self-agenda, for selfishness, or just to get your way is using the Lord's name in vain. When somebody's saying praise Jesus while they're taking advantage of you at the same time, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. So, I make mistakes. I'm human. I make mistakes. Most of us do. And that's not the point. My actions, um, I have a sister who goes to Africa every year to do surgeries, to give anesthesia to people that are in dire need of surgeries for cleft palates or for other things that they can't function right. And they're not. And, you know, but according to her lifestyle, she's secular. And what she does is always giving back, always giving back. We had another family member who didn't have a way to have a vehicle. This sister decided, you know what? I don't need this vehicle. I've got another one. Take this one. 
They didn't have a house. Okay, I've got a house. I don't need another one. Here's a house. These are actions that this person in particular wants nothing back in return for. I'm the same way. I don't do things wanting something back in return. I don't. I've helped out plenty of people in the last year. And um, I'm not upset about it. And uh, really, uh, if they don't appreciate it, they don't appreciate it. You can't force somebody to appreciate anything. But I'll tell you who does appreciate it and who does judge. And who can absolutely tell you if you're secular or not? That would be Jesus. And um, But the farther we've gone in the last uh, several years now, the further away we pushed Christ out of the picture. Um, I, I'm not the beacon of Christianity. Quite frankly, right now, I don't want to be. Um, the sister I told you about that, um, uh, you know, it's constantly, she constantly does good deeds. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. And um, nothing in return, doesn't even talk about it. Um, she is scared, bothered by the Christian church because we let so many of these people just run free run their own little show. They don't put God in the picture. They put themselves first. They put their church first. And think about how many people will tell you that I know here in Central Kentucky, people say, man, I really needed some Southland today. That's the name of a mega church around here. And um, not like, and this is every Sunday and the same people the rest of the week or, you know, putting a picture of them out partying, smoking pot, whatever. And I actually don't care if somebody smokes pot. Um, that's from my psychology side that can actually be pretty, pretty beneficial in the grand scheme of things. Um, and uh, especially medicinal, you know, and I'm sure somebody's going to complain on me saying that I don't care. Um, so, you know, we go through all this of uh, wrong and right, and I'll get back to it, you know, and, um, you know, it, it would be the uh, the hurt part of me that would say, um, you know, okay, uh, I'm secular, and you claim that uh, God gave us Trump, seriously, um, wearing a MAGA hat's secular. Um I mean, it's just an endless list. And that's, you know, if you think about it this way, this endless list can fit anybody's agenda at any time of whatever they want to fit their agenda. I drive a Cadillac. You don't. But if you go buy a Cadillac, that's secular. Unless that Cadillac is... Um, made by some entity that none of us can see or know. Uh, just live your word, man. Live by actions. That's, it's really, and I know I go roundabout. I know I hit rabbit holes constantly, but I really get up in arms about this stuff. Um, I mean, uh, literally, I, I, I'm somebody who gives and gives. Um, I, I know some people that I've had some disagreements with, and the last several months have been these people I've done whatever I can for. And it doesn't matter. It, it was my actions spoke for themselves, but those actions weren't good enough because somebody else's agenda is more important. And um, 
And that's cool. I mean, it's dandy. Um, I just hate seeing so many people get taken advantage of in um, the Lord's name and the frustration that comes from it is I am somebody that gets frustrated. So uh, somebody sent me something the other day, you know, about uh, the angry Christian. It's not that I'm angry. It's that I get fed up with everybody sitting around saying, well, I got to be a bystander and turn the other cheek. That's not. No. God doesn't call everybody to turn the other cheek. When you literally sit there and know a crime is happening, if you know somebody's being abused or you know somebody's being hurt, or you know this person walking down the street, one of my friends, that's a girl, let's say, and um, she tells me that, you know, oh, I met this new guy, and I know this guy's got convictions for everything. I mean, I'm talking 10, 20 felonies, and a lot of violence towards women. Now, According to some, you're not allowed to say anything about that because that's gossiping. For me, I don't gossip. I'll say it right to their face. Please leave her alone. They don't. They don't. It usually turns both sides against me, but I do not see it. If I'm wrong, I welcome anybody to correct me that actually has any kind of theological knowledge um not not somebody that heard it from a friend of theirs that you don't talk about other people even if they're demonic you know it, it's like how the devil circles around us um it's just like that lion waiting to pounce isn't it? but those are things that just um bother me and i know tonight's not my uh, regular thing but I, I just really wanted to cover this because it's gotten so so just out of control um you know i mean seriously think just think about it this way you can't watch cartoons with your children your grandchildren your nieces nephews anybody because it's secular now you can take them to church shut off everything at home kind of adopt the amish lifestyle then you're okay then you can, I guess, talk about what others do wrong. But to me, it's take a long, hard look in the mirror. Like I said, where I don't gossip, I, I say the same thing to people all the time. You know, they're so concentrated on what's secular and they're at home having them, uh, you know, drink, uh, sleeping with the next person they find handy. And, um, you know, but that's that's just always there because that's... Uh, all right. Um, now, this is what uh, I got the most out of here when I was reading. Um, it's um, are, are those that are, you know, throwing around that uh, word secular so much is, you know, what are they so angry about? So is secular motivated by anger? Okay, here's a story for you. Chickens are famous for having a pecking order in which the bottom chicken in the hierarchy is pecked by everyone else and the top chicken is not picked on by anyone. The chicken hierarchy is settled by physical aggression. Talking too much. Makes your throat down. All right, now we're in a verbal society, which is such, it's a human society. So, 
physical aggression is left often used um, to settle the issues of status. That's just the truth. Uh, okay. And um, they're most, uh, these are mostly deferred to verbal interactions. An insult can thus be inter interpreted as an attempt to reduce the social status of the recipient and raise the relative status of the insulter. That's what I'm getting at. And that's what I keep saying. You know, I, I know when I deal with it, the person that's sitting there saying, well, you're secular. I'm not. It, it, it giving themselves a little pat on the back. I mean, per se, and I don't, I don't know how else you can look at that, but it, it's what it is. You know, okay, you're secular. My bad. I, I just, I just, it doesn't matter what I do. It does. I say not as I do. It rolls around to that. So, um, if, if this logic is correct, we can assume that insults are motivated by anger. Surrounding issues of status and security, many, many insults are reactive. They're responsive to real or imagined slights from others, such as a person accidentally cutting in front of someone else in a line. We live in a period of extreme concern about how we are perceived by others. Social psychologists are charting a steady increase in narcissism among college students. There is little consensus about to why this is happening, but some scholars believe that the more children are measured on evaluative scales, aptitude tests, IQ scores, GPA, the more sensitive they are to threats in their social rank. I agree and don't agree. I think narcissism is so often misused that it gets so convoluted. And um, think about this for me. And I'll cover it next week. Um, but it, it gives everybody something to think about in the meantime. Um, Google, I, I say this on almost all my other show things, but Google using empathy as a weapon, just Google using empathy as a weapon and think about people you've called narcissistic in your own life. And then uh, see what you gather from using empathy as a weapon. See if any of that is relative to situations you've been through. It's a very interesting thing to do. Um, I believe in it 100%. And, um, and the truth is very, very few people can truly be diagnosed as narcissists. Um, and it's the way it goes. It's like... Um, Y'all be here. Another one I hear all the time is, you know, I'm an empath. I was... I was just born an empath. People tell me I'm a natural empath. That's one to two, more on the one side, percent of the entire world's population that can be identified as an empath. So when somebody's saying that to you, here, here's what I gain from it. When somebody's sitting there telling me repeatedly that they're an empath, I'm like, God help me. Um, I find it disingenuine when somebody needs to tell you that a real empath would uh, a, a big telltale sign is an empath is shown by actions. And again, more than likely, um, more than likely, most of us or none of us have ever met a empath in our entire lives. So, um, of course, uh, I'm just going to read through this for what it's written without my um, interjection. Of course, this narcissism trend is accentuated by social media, where participants are subject to unrelenting evaluation by other network members who encourage participants to inflate their egos, often at the expense of others. Sorry. 
Concern with how one is perceived creates social insecurity that may be relieved by lashing out at other chickens or people in the area. Social networks are replete with individuals who deliver stinging rebukes because they enjoy doing so and because they are mostly exempt from the <laughs> reprisals that one might expect for real world put down. Um, uh, that's the truth. Um, I have a strong background in political science and um, some other people do and stuff that is said and um, I hate to say it, but we really can't take um, uh, uh, political uh, discussions um, more than skin deep. I mean, um, my my really favorite example I used recently is all the hit outs on uh, Brandon did this or the stickers on a pump at a gas station. You go from there and, um, you know, they say Biden's responsible for the gas prices when they rose and he's not getting much credit now that they're, I don't know, they were 330 today where I'm at in Kentucky, but um, that's beyond the issue here as uh you know, it was quick and easy and also delusional to blame Biden for the gas pricing um, issue. Now, if you want to tell it for what it is, it's factual. The gas prices rose 30 percent during Trump's last year, another 16 percent when Biden took over. But here's the kicker, even to the Democrats. If you wanted to use that, you can, but you're not telling the whole story because the true story is that's global market pricing. I try, I try, and I try to get people to understand this. That price is not set by the presidents. They're not the presidents overseas. They're not the presidents in Japan, Ireland, Scotland, England. This is set by global market pricing. It's the same thing that when your house goes on sale in your neighborhood, they do a competitive market analysis. I'm sure you've heard it as a CMA or something like that. So that's going to be uh, your market, pri market pricing for a similar house in a similar neighborhood, similar in the menu amenities and um, so on. Unless you've got a pool, which, by the way, that'll lower your home's price. Because um, getting one of those covers up is uh, crazy expensive and nobody wants to take care of them. So. If you're not going to live in a house for a lifetime, that's my free advice. I did have a real estate license. I'm actually getting a real estate license now for no other reason than to uh, be there for friends and family. And I'm being serious about that. Um, I have a degree in real estate. But um, so go along with that. Um, in, in terms of uh, the automobile business, cars. Um, if I took in a car on trade, so I'm going to look at the auction values, um, about a 200 mile radius and, um, you know, and just see, okay, what can I give the customer? What can I get out of an auction if I can't sell it on the lot? So then, um, from there I'm going to go, okay, well, what's the average price on a 250 mile radius for the same car, same, same amenities. Um, let's say a Camry XLE, uh, what's it going for in Louisville, um, Kentucky? What's it going in for in Cincinnati, Ohio? And go probably all the way up to Nashville or all the way down to Nashville and so on and so on. That's that's market pricing. And that's just the way it goes. You know, it's like you can't expect a house in L.A. or let's say 
San Francisco. That's about uh, it's crazy prices out there. Um, you can't expect a house there to go for the price it's going to go for here. It just doesn't happen that way. So um, I guess that's my economics lesson. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, not, a ins not all insults are equal, of course. Some pecs miss their mark and have no impact on relative status. So in the aim... An arrow shot over the house that hits no one, okay? That's when you're calling me uh, secular, that's that's pretty much what happens. I mean, you may get my ire up, but then I'll pray it off and we'll be like, why? <laughs> well, we live in a time when insults are dispensed so freely they threaten the financial viability of social media platforms like Twitter, Indeed, Twitter, indeed, and Twitter recently issued a code of conduct for users designed to exclude the worst offenders. Other sites like Facebook have quickly followed suit. All right. I do know this. I've been putting Facebook jail for joking around with a friend, um, and it, it happens all the time. I mean, seriously, I, I'm a white guy, and I got put in Facebook jail for... Um, what was it? Hate, hate speech or inciting or something um, uh, towards Caucasians. I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know such thing. I am white. But um, that's that's what happens when you, I mean, you're almost looking at martial law because it's the wild, wild west out there. And um, that's, that's the way it goes, you know. And I know people hate to hear this. I am a Democrat, as I always say. But let's face the facts that um, Trump told almost 37,000 lies while he was in the White House, including those on Twitter. So uh, when he finally got banned, it was for inciting a riot because he was live tweeting for them basically to attack. And, yeah, that uh, constitutes violence. And um, it's an iffy subject. I think there needs to be some, but, like, if you're uh, – joking around i know another time i got in facebook jail is i told a guy that um i've been working with on his uh, substance use disorder that i'd gone by his house like three times he told me he's going to be there and you know just talk to him check in on him that's something i like to do well and uh after the third time he didn't answer um he put up some post on facebook i don't even remember what it was and i was like dude if you don't answer next time i come to your door i'm gonna knock your door down that got me uh, for inciting violence on Facebook. So it's a tricky subject because obviously they don't have enough people, human people, to actually sit there and police the pages. So I don't know a um, solution for that. I'm not a um, I'm not an IT guy. There's I just don't know what to do. How they can do it? Um, there's an appeal process, but that's that's about it to it. So. Um, all right, this is another one I didn't know, and we were talking about the policing mechanisms on social media and so on, um, but some are already ingrained into applications such as Uber and uh, Airbnb. Uh, the only problem is that users may ultimately receive online civility score that will boost collective narcissism and make us want 
to peck our neighbors even more. You know, that's interesting to think about. That's just interesting to think about. I, I've really got nowhere to go with it. I'm just sitting there thinking if you're uh, if you're getting better scores than your neighbor on your Airbnb or if you're an Uber driver and you're getting better scores than Larry down there uh, who happens to be a neighbor two doors down from you, then the envy's going to kick up and the pressure. I know that in my testimony, I mentioned this before, but I deal with a lot of envy, envy for what I don't know. I mean... It, it cannot have been a worse experience to know you're going to die, to constantly be suffering in pain, to not be able to walk, to be counting minutes, looking at a clock, you know, wondering when you're going to expire. But I also say that it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and I wouldn't change it in a heartbeat because that's what got me in my relationship with God. That's the reason I'm alive. That's the reason I'm in school. That's the reason I'm going to be able to excel. That's the reason I'm going to be able to help others in a legitimate license credentials type of way. So I'll go from there and look what I like to do every week. If you've not been here before is I take the celebrate recovery book, which this is um, kind of like the Christian version of um, AA, but it's the Christian version. So it's Celebrate Recovery. This is a daily devotional, 365 days, and this is the 30th anniversary. So what I'll do is I'll take this and I'll just open it, like literally just open it. I don't have anything marked. So, and then I just go to read what it is. Today is 2-11, um, and the title of it is Weird Head Day. So this is from Romans 8-26, uh, Romans 8-26, Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. All right. Um, here's a devotion. This is, these are just written by individual people. Um, if they take credit, they do. This one's anonymous. Um, I woke up in a funk. Around our house, this is called a weird head day. There was no real reason for this, except I just didn't want to feel, I just, I just didn't want to feel better. My mood was telling me that I wanted to be miserable and make everyone around me miserable as well. My wife saw what was happening and asked me uh, what I could do to feel better. She was trying to get me to pick up some of my recovery tools. Um, I take it by that recovery tools. I mean, coping skills. Um, but I quickly answered, there's nothing to do. I don't even think God wants to hear from me today. She responded by saying, really? God doesn't want to hear from you? Is that how you would treat your children when they're having a bad day? Her words woke me up. I realized it was time to stop feeling sorry for myself. We prayed together. And before long, the black cloud hanging over my head lifted. We are all in a spiritual battle, but God has given us the spiritual armor to wear and recovery tools to help us. Prayer is the number one tool to use on some of those weird head days. The prayer for this is, Father, thank you for giving me everything I need to live joyously every day. Forgive me for when I choose to forget 
and give away to moodiness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I mean, literally that to me is pretty magical how um, I always turn through it. And today I was having kind of a weird head day. Um, I'm just, I'm human and I get fed up with some of the um, silliness and the nonsense. Um, because to me it's very high school-like um, and, uh, you know, again, uh, part of my battle in um, being a soldier of Christ is, you know, there's stigmas for mental health. There's stigmas for uh, substance abuse or substance use. Um, there's stigmas for Christianity. Now, one of those is easier to fix than the rest of them, and that would be the stigmas that surround Christianity. And what we need to do is really look at putting a focus on and fighting against the hypocrisy. So, in turn, where this whole thing went today is secular. Here's the absolute truth. Secular, if it is a separation of church and state, um, which is one of the main definitions for it right there, um, that would mean every preacher we've got out there who's... Uh, pulling for a politician, secular. And they're the same ones telling you about the secular world. This is a problem. This is why it's easy for people to say, and I, I just don't trust the, your Christian ways. They're, they're too hypocritical. Um, the hypocrisy runs rampant. And I flat out tell people when they ask me why the church is so hypocritical, I say, I don't know, but I don't blame you for saying that. Here's my story, which my story can plant a seed because I can strongly tell you Faith absolutely picked me up off that floor, got me to walking again, healed my liver, which is unheard of. It doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen. I had end-stage cirrhosis. I should be dead, and I'm not. And that is the grace of God. That is the truth of God. So when I march on this battle now is I don't do it to be that um, uh, do as I say, not as I do. I've done... Uh, as much wrong as I can imagine, but um, now I live by actions, and I live by the Lord, and um, I think it's pretty important, and it's pretty, it's pretty joyous life to have, um, so with that said, I'm out of here for this week, and um, I'll look forward to seeing you all next week, and hopefully, 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 I'll have a guest with me um, next week, so it's just not my opinion, but um, we'll get some more word of mouth in here. All right. So good night. Love y'all. And bye.